You're listening to 123 Yes Wrestling, the only podcast trying to bring the love back to professional wrestling. This week is the only episode 31 we will ever do, and it's all about AEW. All of the fallout from Double or Nothing and what it means for WWE moving forward. Like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you listen to the podcast, and you can always join the conversation at 123YesWrestling at gmail.com. But for now, enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to 123 Yes Wrestling, where we want to bring the love back to professional wrestling. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm joined by Corey and Ed. How are we doing, guys? I'm hanging in there, I think. Um, I think I have officially become a VIP at the dentist. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I had to go back, and they had to take care of two cavities, so now I've had two things done to my teeth, and uh, listeners, this is just a good lesson. Um, please see your dentist every six months, because apparently waiting 20 years isn't a good idea. So now I'm reaping all the, the negatives. So, and unfortunately, i got to go back. But um, otherwise, I mean, I'm doing great. Uh, the weather's trying to turn around here in Chicago. I mean, if we stop getting rain, but doing well. Ed, how you doing? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm happy you're getting your teeth, you know, fixed. I mean, a guy like you who takes such good care of himself, I'm shocked that the teeth were on the end of the totem pole. But I'm glad you're getting your stuff together. You know, it's like the the problem is I, I've gone into the impression that it's like, you know what? I brush my teeth. I brush my teeth multiple times a day. So I'm just thinking that I'm doing everything right. And if you do things right, nothing goes wrong. Well, apparently that is just not the case. And shame on me for just not seeing a, a silly dentist every six months. And, I mean, I even, like, told the guy when I first went in, I was like, this is my come in the Jesus moment. Because I realized that, you know, because my jaw swelled up. And that's why I missed uh, one of the uh, episodes. And, I mean, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, you're making me, I'm going to have to call and make an appointment because I'm overdue. I'm like a year and a half. I was supposed to go, I think, last January, and then I didn't. So now I'm pushing like that year and a half because I was switching insurance companies. So then, And I didn't like the last dentist I went to. He had a crush on Chrissy, so he was really mean to me. He was super nice to her, but real mean to me. Like he was texting her like, hey, how are you doing? So yeah. And then I went in, and he was really mean to me. And I was like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> and I was like, you, you, we don't want to go back to this guy. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think – I was like, he's not texting me. I think it's you. I think he just wants to talk to you. And she's like, no, no. But, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I gotta, I'll have to make a dentist appointment. This week, I broke my fridge. Oh, no. I broke it. Broke my refrigerator trying to clean it. And I broke the uh, refrigerant line, so Ooh. I blasted my face with... I blasted Freon in my face. Oh. And I didn't realize it was... I was like... Like, air was coming out. I'm like, what's that sound? Because I was trying to... Like, the fan behind in the back of my fridge froze yeah. up. So I was using hair dryer, trying to, like, thaw it out. And I'm pulling the panel off, and I'm pulling it. And as the ice is melting, it's coming a little bit more. Then all of a sudden, I hear... So what happened was the ice was froze around the line. So once I pulled the right way it just snapped that line so once i heard the hissing i pretty much just ripped the damn thing off <laughs> and then i'm like trying fumbling with it and i'm sitting there just thinking it's air and then it kind of clicked as i started getting dizzy i'm like 
I don't think that's air. Oh, my God, did I just poison myself? So then I thought I was going to die because I didn't know what I was inhaling. So I, like, ran outside the house, and I'm like, all right, all right, let's Google WebMD. <laughs> what, what is in my fridge? And, yeah, yeah, and then everywhere I went to, I called every re- repair. <clears throat> like, I had, I had re- repairmen that were just like, I can't help you. They were like, you can't fix that. That's not worth fixing. And then I talked with, I called at the hotel I used to work at. I called the engineering supervisor. And I said, hey, man, do you know anybody? Can you do it? I'll get you some beer. Like, what what do we got? He was like, you can't fix it. And he was like, it'll cost you, you know, the co- the price of a fridge. Yeah. So we got a new fridge today. Luckily, we were able to take advantage of uh, Memorial Day sales. And get a new fridge. So we got a new fridge delivered today. And luckily, I had a beer fridge, so we got to keep everything there. I just couldn't keep any beer cold. Yeah. Well. That was my week. That was my week of breaking my fridge, poisoning myself with Freon, and getting a new fridge, spending a bunch of money. Well, guys, I've got something. First of all, Corey, I've got a guy for you. His name, he's a really good dentist. His name is Isaac Yankum, DDS. And he will do a great (laughs) job with you. And as Chris... You know what? You're just going to have to call Duke the Dumpster Drozzy to get that old, you know, fridge out of there. But you know what? I got these guys on speed dial. We'll get you both taken care of. I'm impressed that you were able to take both our stories and connect it to a gimmick wrestler. Well done, sir. Well done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you bring the love back to professional wrestling. And that is what we are going to do today. We are going to move on to an AEW-themed curtain jerker. For Friday, May 31st, it's all about AEW because after Double or Nothing last Saturday night, that is all anybody has really talked about. And looking through the news, outside of Terry Runnels getting arrested for bringing a gun into the airport, there really wasn't much other news. <laughs> and, there, I mean, there's not much else. She, her, her reasoning behind that was I, there was an armadillo I needed to shoot at my mom's house. And that, that was the story. So now she may go to jail for five years for bringing a loaded Glock. <laughs> To the airport. That is the wrestling news for you, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to do the AEW-themed Curtain Jerkers, which is going to go into our Double or Nothing impressions for what we did see, what we thought, and everything that fell out from that. Does that sound good to you Sounds guys? wonderful. Five years. No, I, Five years. Okay. That's the potential for bringing a loaded gun into the airport. Five <laughs> years and a bunch of penalties. So she said she forgot it was in the bag. And it was rushing to her mom's house that she was going to fly to because there was an armadillo. I've heard them all. You know, and I saw yeah, a coyote so. on my way to work, and I'm not pulling out any guns. Jesus. Got to live uh, in Texas. Yeah, I guess so, man. <laughs> we all, I had a guy at the hotel. I had a guy call and wanted to book at the hotel, and he was like, well, I need you guys to allow me to carry my gun at the pool. And I'm like, no, man, I'm not going to give you that permission. He said, well, then I need you to sign a waiver stating that you're fully responsible for my family's safety. No, I'm not going to do that either. You're more than welcome. You know, you can lock up your gun in the room, but you're not carrying a gun. He literally wanted to carry his gun at the pool for his family's safety. I was like, no. He was like, well, I'll go someplace else, sir. I would appreciate if you did go someplace else. And that was then that was when, you know, he asked to speak to a higher manager (laughs) than me because he didn't like my attitude. AEW, guys, Double or Nothing was Saturday. 
I know we were kind of just talking before we went on the air. I know Ed is going to be our expert this week. I tried to order it but couldn't get it off of my phone onto a TV due to Bleacher Report Live and their lack of Chromecast abilities. So the idea of spending 50 bucks to watch a pay-per-view for a five-hour pay-per-view on my phone seemed daunting and just not worth it. So I caught the main event, Cody, Dustin, saw highlights, saw the free-for-all on YouTube, Saw a little bit. I know Corey said he. You've seen a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I did see a little bit. I, I saw the uh, Cody and Dustin match because um, that was the only one that I was able to successfully find the full match on on the internet. Um, I was supposed to go to Ed's on. I think it was Sunday. Sunday or Monday? No, I wasn't on Saturday. Um, I was busy. Um, I think Sunday or Monday or whatever, and then that was when uh, we were hit with some unexpected, like, extreme weather and tornadoes and stuff, so, and I said, screw going as I ain't leaving, so. So, here's the thing. I want our listeners to know that I really felt going into this show that I was exactly what they would want paying attention to the product. I don't know much about a lot of the talent. I don't know much about, um, you know, where they're going to go, but I was watching this with an open mind. Um, and I can say that there was a lot of good in this show. There was a lot of bad in this show. And the the thing I want our listeners to know is I'm going to basically kind of tell you that I'm not going to go into this like a lot of people are on the Internet. They're just saying this is the second coming of God as a show it's not it was a very well put together pay-per-view but it had its flaws so you know first of all from a match quality perspective you did have some very good matches and to both of you guys i'd say the matches you guys watched were the ones to watch um however there were a few types of things that happened um for example the free-for-all uh, i don't know if you guys got a chance to see that uh, I was not a big fan of that as a way to start your first uh, show, or your fir- your first basically large national show, um, and that's what you give us. And it just, I think this is going to be where they have to really decide what kind of product they're going to be, because there was two way way too many variety of, of personalities, some of which were way too goofy that I wouldn't even want to see on a WWE screen. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on. You know that match since we all did watch that well, one. Well, okay. So if I if I recall this right, they had the that battle royal match, yes. and then didn't they have the Sammy Guevara versus um, who did he fight? Kip, I think. So by the way, my nephew Sammy Guevara is his uh, favorite indie wrestler. So and we've we've seen him plenty of times actually um, in Crown Point. Um, so I'm going to defend him. I don't know if you bashed that match. No, I'm talking about the battle Royal. The, the, okay. the I, well, I will not, that match I'm okay, okay with, but the very first match of the night and your very first match of your promotion. I don't know. I think well, they kind of misstepped with that. Here's, battle here's how I look at it. It's like it, it has that, that has tie-ins to all in, because if you remember all in during the pre-show had the, uh, over the budget, battle royal i think they wanted to continue that idea into this show because that's what they did for all in now the the 
and what they tried to do, and this is where I got an issue, is they tried to gimmick it, as I call it. They're in Vegas, so they try to create this kind of Las Vegasy battle royal gimmick option, which I think it was like every five minutes, five wrestlers would come out, and then they talk about these the cards, or I don't even understand. I couldn't understand it, and that's and and when you like gimmick something so much, and if you don't understand it, yeah, you're probably doomed from the start. Yeah, it was it was kind of a mess. And like I said, what when when this is a lot of people's first impression, it's hard to know what's going on. And when you're seeing all of these people that you don't know, it's really confusing. And then you see everyone working their gimmick hardcore. So you had one guy like, and unfortunately, I don't know many people's names, but they had one guy that was severe. You know, the really large guy who was doing his thing. They had another guy who was being like dancing around you just had a lot of gimmicks mm-hmm. working all at one time where you're just kind of like this is a mess and it's hard to watch um i i enjoyed seeing ty dillinger do his thing in there it was obvious hangman page was going to win especially once they said the winner of this was going to get the future aew title match and with hangman page getting his match canceled which was what that match was supposed to be for it makes sense that he was going to win this so then it even for someone who didn't know a lot of this, just knowing that little bit. There were a couple good spots in it. Joey Janela, uh, Jungle Boy did some impressive uh, DDTs. and I mean, they did some stuff in there, and it was nice to see the wrestling for some of the names that we've been seeing. Like I said, Jungle Boy, I didn't know who that was. I only heard the name, knew it was Luke yeah. Perry's son. So I'm like, who is that? So it was fun to see him jump around and do something. So I enjoyed moments of it, but it was hard to get into it and it was and between that that free-for-all with the sammy was yeah. named guevara and kip sabian watching one of them come out with his kangaroo mask on or the koala bear mask yeah. and like i was just like i don't think i'm gonna be able to i mean i lost interest in buying the show watching that free-for-all because i was like this is just gonna be too hokey and it's if that makes sense like i knew what matches would deliver but there was just – and then, then right after that, they did the librarians shushing each other for five minutes. And I was like, this is just going to be too hokey for me right now. I'll, I'll see what happens and see if I feel like I missed And out. actually, let me just – and I want to defend this because uh, a lot of those people in the Battle Royal um, are people that I've actually gotten to see live. They, they do indie shows all over mm-hmm. the country, and I've been fortunate enough that they've come out here. Um, I think AEW's – what their goal was there – they just wanted people to see what's out there in the independent world. I think they're really trying to help grow independent wrestling. Now, granted, is it the best way? I don't know. But it's like if you're really trying to get as much talent out there, of course a battle royal is the way to do it. Um, Sam Guevara, I mean, to defend him, you have to understand his gimmick to understand that there that there was a reason for that. It, it is part of his gimmick. He's got oh, a sure. lot of shirts that have the the um, panda, the the panda Wallet. bear or whatever. Panda. Um, and it's. I, I think the problem there is. I I think us the audience just didn't because this is new. They just didn't understand the purpose behind all of that. Well, and that's well, and Corey. That's the whole point. Yeah, and Corey, to your point. I, I want to say that's one of the positives of this show. They are trying to show off 
independent sh- uh, talent. But also, they were bringing wrestlers, and these are the matches you guys didn't see, they were bringing in very talented wrestlers from China and Japan um, to put a spotlight on their federations, which would never have this kind of a national spotlight. So that is cool, and I hope they do continue that because, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, they do have a chance to kind of be a voice for these independent show, uh, shows across the world that don't have national exposure, and that's a really cool thing that I hope they stick with. Um, but, you know, like to your point, like how you said about Sammy, Corey, like you almost have to know a little bit about this, you know, to really get it. And I feel like overall this show could have done a lot better job of let like these characters exist in our world now. But let's tell you a little bit about them so that way you'll come back and see what we got to offer. And because you go ahead, Chris, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say you need to you need to think of this as that you're introducing. This is your pilot episode. This is your you're introducing this. So yeah, these people might all have histories. Yeah, they're all independent. Yeah, Corey knows who they are and has seen them. I haven't. So if I haven't seen him and don't know his shtick, I see a dude with a panda bear on his head and I go, oh, God, this is lame. I'm not watching this. And I turn it off. And how many people, you know, you're trying to introduce these people. So if that's what your goal is and that's what you want to highlight, then you need to highlight. But you need to do it in a way that explains. So, I mean, that should have been the commentator's job to explain those things to me. That should have been a video package before the match explaining who these people are and what they're doing. Because if you want this to succeed and you want to highlight independent wrestling, then you need to tell that story to people. Otherwise, people are going to go. It's just like if, if I tell you, hey, man. I want you. Let's watch this show this Saturday night. Well, what show? Oh, it's you know, uh, Big Bang Theory just ended its finale. So why don't you watch the last episode with me? Well, I didn't watch any of the other ones. You'll get it. (laughs) I mean, are you going to enjoy the series finale of Big Bang Theory if you've never watched an episode before? You know what I mean? It's like you don't. You're you're not invested. You're just going to sit there and watch it. Yeah, you might chuckle. Yeah, you might be entertained. Yeah, you might hate it. You might love it. But what are you? You know, what are you but, trying to get but, out of it? You know, you know? I'm going to kind of uh, debate you here. It's like, how much can you get across in a in a pilot episode? So, you know, it's like, you can look at all the greats. Seinfeld. Watch the opening Seinfeld episode. And do you really think that all those characters are truly introduced to the way that we eventually came to know them? No, it requires time to evolve it. Um, and obviously this requires, you know, their weekly show to get going, which obviously we know won't happen to the fall. So I think we got to be fair and, and, and be, um, when it comes to these characters, I mean, just taking what they give us. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a beginning. Of course, you guys aren't going to know who Sammy Guevara is. You're not going to know who some of these other guys are right away, but you're seeing them and now it's like, oh, Okay. Well, let me see what they're about. Let me let me continue to watch this and, and see, you know, because obviously we know once they get the weekly show, they're going to really get the stories going and get these characters and their personalities. Oh, yeah. They just have to be very careful because they want me to come back. So it's like if you don't introduce it or if you don't do it in a way that intrigues me to want to watch more, because, like I said, just by that free-for-all, I didn't order the pay-per-view. Yeah, I had other technical problems, but it was an easier decision because I watched that and said, I don't think I have this in me. And then technical reasons, I said, oh, that's, you know, I'm going to take the sign and I'm just, I'll, I'll see what happens. But if they just have to be careful because they want people to show up for their, 
you know, their TNT weekly show. So you just have to treat it, you know, you, you, this is a different than an independent me, show, you yeah, know, at this Ed, point. Ed, let me ask you a question since you technically – did you have a problem spending the amount of money that they put the price tag on for Double or Nothing? You know, it's interesting. I've heard this – like talked about a lot on the online and a lot of different podcasts saying it was way too expensive. I, I definitely didn't because I knew I was going to buy it. And like, you know, as much as it sounds like I'm, I'm downing this, like I'm actually getting what I didn't like out of the way so I can talk about the positives. Um, I had no problem spending uh, $60 on this pay-per-view because I want AEW to succeed. Um, and we'll get into other reasons why I want AEW to succeed, but um, I was happy to give them my money. I felt like the, it was money well spent by the end of the show. They had some hiccups, um, but it wasn't enough to make me feel like this wasn't a slam dunk for a company that had never done a pay-per-view before. Um, so, no, I had no problem whatsoever, Corey. Okay. I, I was just curious because, I mean, I, I won't lie to you. When I looked at the uh, price tag, it... I did kind of raise an eyebrow, and I was like, oh, because I actually did not know what the cost was until I actually went through the process of going through my cable to see what it was. Um, mm -hmm. th there was a part of me that did feel, uh, that's that that's a little pricey. I think they... I think they did price it a little high, but you know, I don't know what their, their things are. If it was cheaper, I probably would have bought it. Um, but that's just my situation and where I'm at and what where I think the level is. Even 39, I think I would have been okay. Once they did 49, 59, I probably wouldn't have. I would have went and bought a video game. But, uh, but I mean, that just kind of depends. There just seems to be a lot um, going with it. My big thing was just not knowing how long it was going to be. And I think ultimately, as we're talking about the negatives, I think they should have stuck more to a takeover length than try to go five hours and really drag it out a little bit especially you know they should have highlighted they had three great main events um between the the between lucha brothers and the young bucks cody dustin kenny and jericho you could have done the women and still done the awesome kong thing and you could have thrown one more japanese match to open the show real hot and you would have had a great card and you would have had you know you would have stuck the landing a little bit harder by dragging it for five hours that's just a lot of that's a there's a lot of room for you to drop the ball. Yeah, and I think you know this this whole thing is a big learning experience for them. You know, both positive and negative. Um, the fans there had good energy, but that was another thing that I I thought they could have mic'd the crowd better because as I was watching the show, I felt like the crowd was really into it, but I couldn't hear them that well. But then again, mm -hmm. the production of their uh, backstage segments, their video packages, the audio editing and all that, solid. Very well done. And um, my last real complaint was the commentary. Um, so here's the thing. JR, fantastic. JR is probably one of the best commentators, if not the best commentators in history of pro wrestling. And he did a great job here. But... They literally got a guy, um, you know, who's doing color, who's never, he's never done a wrestling uh, show before this. He, I believe, wrote for a newspaper, and he's done some football play-by-play, -play, but it really could tell that. I thought I heard he did was a golf play-by-play yeah, -play guy. So it was a little rough. It was a little <laughs> rough there. They had a, another guy named Excalibur, who uh, again, like he wore a mask, and it was kind of cool to see a lucha libre 
character be in commentary. But again, I would have liked to know more of him because I didn't know who this guy was. So, I mean, like, ultimately, I think Corey's got a strong point. This was their intro, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, are are they was it good enough to bring me back? Yes. But it's, again, I want to see them succeed. And they are going out on a limb saying that they're trying to bring the 7 million wrestling fans back that used to watch in 2000, right? So 9 million people used to watch wrestling all together in 2000. Only 2 million watch it now. So if they're going to bring back the other 7 million people that were the casual fans, they've got to make sure they provide a product that is intriguing every week. So, and to Corey's point, they need they need that weekly show. So, and I'm, they need and, it. And, and oh, yeah. Chris, I apologize. I'm going to bring up another bullet point from your list here. Um, so then tell me, because when I watched this that I'm about to mention, I enjoyed it, but then also I questioned it. The Cody Rhodes entrance where his wife yeah so the entrance for anyone so who didn't see it. cody rhodes comes out and he's coming down to the ramp brandy his wife is down at, at the bottom of the ramp and she's got a sledgehammer in her hand and cody you know walks up to her looks at the sledgehammer and grabs it and then you know looks at the crowd and you know the crowd's you know reacting and then all of a sudden he walks back up the ramp and then you have this throne, this this chair that looks like a chair that Triple H would have in his entrance. And then he kind of just stares at it, and then he just takes the sledgehammer and takes a big uh, uh, swing and, and hits the chair in the area where you sit, and then the, the smoke puffs out and the... The chair breaks, and obviously this is a lot of symbolism. And entertained by it, yes, but I instantly went back to recalling some interviews that Cody gave, and Cody made a lot of reference that they're not trying to compete. They're just trying to be an alternative option. So how can you be an alternative option and say you're not competing, but then you're doing a lot of symbolism that's making it sound like, no, you want to go straight to war with this billion-dollar company. Yeah, I and this is the kind of stuff that makes guys like Vince Russo get on his podcast and think they're working together, which I think is, you know, I think it's it's not that cut and dry, like, oh, yeah, they're just doing this, you know, you know to... Uh, help each other out but i do think that they realize that there's a lot of more eyes on wrestling right now uh because of them so i think that that plays into it too like you know can we help each other out by appearing to be bitter enemies it is an interesting thing and it's good for wrestling it's an interesting thought but yeah like to Corey's point come on you literally have said all these interviews saying we're going to be our own product we're going to do things different it's going it's not going to feel anything like you know WWE and yet you go out there and literally like pretty much say to Triple H hey we know you're taking over soon uh you know maybe sooner rather than later based on what we're hearing um and you know this is us saying you know you are not going to be the only game in town well you literally just said you didn't care about them and now you on your first pay-per-view are making just this huge reference of war to WWE it's very intriguing and it's interesting I'm going to defend it 
which I wasn't planning on doing until about right now. But I think the only defense in there, because Cody even in the post-interviews was like, no, that's not what it was. So even he was backing up from it once he actually got in front of a microphone. I think the biggest reason to do it and the only pro to do it for is the current what you would consider AEW diehard like in that's what they want to see the people that were in that building that's what they wanted to see and that's why they erupted when Cody went to do that the, I think that that's to the the fan base of AEW like I said right now we're we're watching AEW going man I really hope they do something and we're curious but there are people that are diehard like AEW rule the world WWE is going to burn and you just have these people and that's what they want to see that's what those were the people that were in that building that's what they wanted to see is that cannon blast they wanted to see the bell strike for the war and that was what they were giving their fans so base. okay so I'm, I'm gonna really debate with you on this so if we're talking about the AEW hard, hardcore fan who is it really let's be straight we're talking about Attitude Era people, the fans of the Attitude Era, which, let's look at that demographic. That was 20 years ago. So, that's us. That's people that are a little bit older than us. That's Do the kids even catch this? Does this even appeal to them? Do they even care about a, quote, war? They weren't around for it. So, you really got to ask yourself, who are you trying to grab when you talk about this audience... The seven million that you supposedly want to reach, but you're grabbing, but you're not not that you're going for that audience, but you're also wanted to recreate a war for a generation that's only heard us talk about it. Do you have people that might even be listening to this podcast that weren't even born twenty years ago when they were doing a Monday Night War? This is their opportunity to get their own war. So now by doing this, you're exciting that generation who are like, hell yeah, I'm going to get, this is my Monday Night War. This is my wrestling war. I've heard all about this. So this is their opportunity to get there. So by going to war, by making that statement, um, whether or not he meant it, whether or not, you know, he's backing down from it now saying that's not really what it was, but yada, yada. That's still, I mean, that's who he's trying to excite. And yeah, we want to get the 7 million back, but we got to get the, you know, the 18 year olds now, the 15, 16 year olds, the kids in high school, like we were wearing our Austin 316 shirts. They well, want those okay, moments. But, they want to have but those here's conversations. The thing, though, in the Monday Night War, they, there was no denial that they were at war. They made it obvious that there was a war. So Cody come retracting and saying, oh, no, that's not what it is. Okay, well, then explain it to the young fan that just doesn't get it then. I just, I don't see it. I don't see the young audience really grasping to this, quote, war thing. People like us, you know, we're going to see a lot of symbolism with a lot of these things, but I just, I just don't see it. Have you, uh, have you talked to Jay about it? Because he's a young fan that's kind of coming into... Yeah. His own, and you know, you you got him. You had him around this from a young age, going to the shows. I'm, he's and you know, yeah. he he follows it online and everything. So, what's his thoughts on? I the, the I have thing? not had a chance to actually um, speak to him since the the show aired. Um, I don't even know if you've seen it. Um, him and I will probably get a chance to see it together. Maybe we'll come over to your house, Ed. Yeah, um, for sure. But I know the one thing he was just the thing he's intrigued with is that. And you know this, Ed. He just, he knows the independent wrestling scene. He knows it better than I do. Um, 
And I think he's just simply excited about AEW because a lot of these independent wrestlers that he's followed are now jumping over there. He's super excited that a lot of these wrestlers we've seen at the shows that him and I've gone to here in Crown Point, um, suddenly they've been they're popping up. They're popping up whether they're getting a tryout at WWE or uh, popping up in AEW or you know heading over to Japan. So. For him, that's his excitement. I don't necessarily think he's thrilled about a, quote, war, because I, I don't even think he understands it. Yeah. No, you have to. When you guys check it yeah, out, I, I will. I'll certainly. I'd love, yeah, to, I'll I'd love to hear from a, and anybody out there listening from a different demographic that's not, you know, uh, Attitude Era fogies like we are um anybody who has you know input from a different demographic or a different age group different anything i'd love to hear any kind of feedback um about how you interpreted cody's throne throne breaking op- entrance i thought it was i i didn't want i don't want aew to make those i feel like then it seems like they're trying too hard yes I don't. That's what I don't like about it. I think it's just being too blatant, like too just on the nose, and just it makes it lame to me. Um, that's just my opinion. I can understand why they would be tempted to do it. I couldn't say that I wouldn't do it if I was in that situation. So I can't can't knock it too hard. And obviously, I would. You know, I do have a, a defense behind it. But yeah, personally, it was a little rough. And that's why I think WWE kind of has to be entertained by all this right now. I mean, you know. It's not like AEW is going to overwhelm them in a, in, after one show. You know, it's not going to happen. But if I'm WWE and this this promotion just put this out there and it got a lot of eyes on it and then they're calling us out, like, you can have a little fun with it, you know? And, you know, mm-hmm. I know we'll get into Raw and SmackDown, but, uh, you know, I just feel like it's their opportunity, too, to step up their game, and I hope they do. You know, I really do because it's it's as, as a fan, I'm not, I haven't been this excited in years because – it just finally feels like we're going to start getting some creative stuff happening again. And that's cool. And like, you know, I know we kind of been talking about this for a while, probably need to move on, but you know, as far as matches go, Dustin and Cody delivered, in my opinion, I was, I thought I was thoroughly enjoyed. It was a little brutal. Um, but you know, at the same time, these two guys put on the match that I thought they would put on. They went out there and they delivered a WrestleMania quality match. And then even the post um, interview where they kind of made up to get ready for, you know, tagging up together was it pulled at the heartstrings, man. It was a good yeah. a match. It was my it was. it was my match of the night. Um, you know, Omega and Jericho was also very strong. Same with the Young Bucks had a good tag team match. But man, Dustin and Cody delivered and, on so many levels. And it's real simple. Yeah, I watched that match and said, I don't think I need to yeah, watch it anymore. Well, because it was it was storytelling. It's storytelling wrestling, and that's and, and and that's what I think is really missing from the WWE product is more storytelling in the actual matches. So did you guys get a chance to listen to Jericho's podcast with John Moxley, former Dean I am Ambrose? About, oh, yeah. I'm about forty minutes in, and and oh my goodness, wow, wow. That turned out to be very surprising. I didn't really know it was happening or coming out. I don't listen to Jericho's podcast too often. Um, But definitely if you're out there and if you're curious about Dean Ambrose's last few last year of WWE and kind of what led to his decision, it's a hell of a listen. He goes into the creative process. And what's funny is a lot of the stuff that we complained about and even named our episodes, you know, Dean Ambrose, the gas man and the 
you know, Gas Man Army and all of this stuff. I mean, all of those things was all stuff that he hated and tried to get out of. And I mean, that's really the long and short of the whole thing is it's just that fight with creative and how WWE is. I have to uh, compliment him. And this is just on a, his presentation. I, he's a really good speaker. I felt like he Mm -hmm. told the narrative of all the issues he had very well. And it, it just goes to show that this man has got more than people realize. And you just got to allow him the, the freedom to just explore and go. I mean, goodness. I mean, the moment his contract expired, he does this video package. And I was I was hooked. I'm like, what? Huh? All this symbolism? I had to watch it a couple times because, you, I mean, you guys know I'm a sucker for symbolism. I love hidden messages in in videos and in promos. Um, that's why I'm really loving Bray Wyatt's stuff right now. Um, but, oh, Lord. You know what? It, it was so weird, too. He sounded so happy in the podcast. Like, like you know, I've always thought this could... Yeah, this guy always came off to me in WWE like, God, this guy's weird. Like, and even, uh, you, Corey, you remember, like, when we went to the uh, Comic-Con to meet the Shield, he was in character the whole time. Yeah. Because I went up to John Moxley when he was, you know, they were all signing, you know, different things that we had brought, and we had previously just gone to a CM Punk Q&A, and someone asked Punk, who's the one guy that you'd like to feud in the WWE? This is probably circa 2013. And Punk said, I'd love to, you know, feud with Dean Ambrose. So, at you know, which, you know that got the crowd excited because at the time that would have been a great match to see. And mm-hmm. so we're literally, you know, walking up and getting our stuff signed. And I said to Dean, I said, hey, man, just we were at the Q&A and, and Punk, uh, he, you know, he wants to go after you. And he looked up at me and, he th- you know, I think he, I was expecting him to laugh or say, oh, yeah, whatever. And he goes, where, where is he at? Is he still in there? I'll go get him right now. And he's, like, staring at me dead in the eyes, like the lunatic <laughs> fringe. And then I, like, I was, I was like, whoa. And I looked at Roman and Seth, and they just were, like, shaking their head, like, oh, this guy's nuts. It, like, I was like, wow. But, like, listening to him on the podcast, you know, he was so relaxed, relieved, like Corey said. And it's like, man, this guy, he, he said what it needed to be said, but he didn't do it in a disrespectful way. No, and on the flip side, uh, now there's getting feedback from people behind the scenes at WWE that are actually agreeing with the stuff that he's saying. So, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to to hear it. What's funny is if you go onto the WWE Network, there's the Dean Ambrose Chronicle that they released. Did you guys watch that after he came back from his? No, I didn't watch it all. If you, I know I didn't watch it all, but if you watch, I watched most of it. I got, I get the idea at least enough to make the point I'm going to make. But if you watch that, he is extremely uncomfortable and extremely unhappy. Like this was before setting up his return, and you're watching him talk to the cameras, and he's just yelling at them, and he's like, "Leave me alone!" And then like WWE call him, and he's talking about how anxious he is. He's talking about how miserable he is. Like he literally sits there in that. That little 24 or whatever, mm-hmm. I forgot, I think a Chronicle. The whole documentary, it's 45 minutes of him talking about how miserable he is. So it's like it's really not a surprise that he wanted to go. Um, I do love the fact that and I, that he dropped his last promo with WWE, and I don't even know where it was. I don't know if it was part of that Shield special. They did an interview with yeah. him, Roman, and Seth 
and it was on WWE Network. I didn't see it, but I saw clips uh, today on a YouTube thing for what culture wrestling. And his last thing is like, oh, well, I feel like I'm just, you know, getting in the casino and cashing my chips in and leaving the table. <laughs> and I'm just like, and then he got up and left. And he made sure that the last thing he said was double or nothing AEW yeah. symbolism. And even apparently in there, they were only sh- talking about it, but apparently in there, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins even said, sounds like you're all in, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was, and then they started laughing like, you know, oh, the teacher doesn't understand my joke. But, you know. It's, uh, you know, the thing is, though, when you heard all those details of the creative ideas, like, uh, like a promo where he had to reference a pooper scooper. It's just like, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vince taking his gas mask comment and then suddenly turning that comment into an actual prop. Um, and, and, and the thing was, the, the ideas that he was trying to present, it's like, is reasonable. You know, it's not like he was going totally AWOL and trying to just go a absolutely a a complete 180 from what the WWE wanted to do it's just I think sometimes and I don't know if this is Vince I don't know if it's the writers it's just they sometimes just get so wacky in their creative world and these promos I mean the man knows how to speak let the man speak you know yeah it's that over scripted it's 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 funny is because everything that he said and I think Ed sent me this text or sent it to the group, everything he said is all the stuff that everyone's been complaining about. It's overproduced, it's overscripted, it's over goofy. You know, it's all of those things that everyone's just been complaining about the product and why people are stopping watching. It's the same reason all the wrestlers want out is because it's just too goofy. And I know we talked about Double or Nothing having goofy so, moments, but it's still nothing compared to what we're about to get let me, into. Let me ask Raw. you both a question, Ned. I'll, I'll let you start responding first. Um, so now that it's been out there, does WWE do any changes? No. I think if they change, it validates what he said, and they don't want to validate it. I think that I think that Vince has surrounded himself, just like CM Punk said, with yes men for the last almost 18 years. And it's to the point where if everybody's telling you, oh, it's so great, and they're, like he said, you know, they're literally clapping when they think they have the best idea. They believe it's the best idea, and no one stands up or not enough people, I should say, stand up to say it's it's garbage. And if you have everybody that's saying, yeah, this is great, awesome, it's so good, then you're going to believe it. And I think Vince just believes that he is right and he's got the right people around him. And unfortunately, um, he's probably going to figure out before it's too late that, man, like, no, we got to change it up. And I just don't think he's got the energy at or the uh, you know the, I think he's too stubborn at this point. I think he I think he changed the product you know with the attitude era that was revolutionary. I would love to see him maybe have one of more of those like crazy different eras in him, but it's going to take people standing up to him, and I don't think anybody's got the balls to do it, including his own family, including his own family. I think it comes down to not necessarily having the balls, but I think it comes down to what's it matter? Like nobody, no, everyone's so beat down that what's the point? Why am I going to go to bat? Why am I going to 
come up with all these ideas as they said as moxley said and jericho agreed with when they talked in this podcast you know they they have their big writers meetings and all of their meetings with creative and they pitch all their ideas then they kick half of those people out of the room and the inner circle talks and then it comes down to the last meeting which is vince and just his couple people and they're the ones that finalize slash come up with all the rest of the stories so if that's actually true and how that stuff's all broken down then that's the problem you know i mean if the final decisions are coming down to him and just a couple people who we're assuming are yes men then nothing's going to change as long as that continues to be the system that they're working through if it still comes down to just him and a couple people who are going to applaud his ideas then it's it's never until he like hopefully he gets distracted by xfl you know and and says hey you guys run with it you guys think you could do better you know hopefully like he wants to Hopefully he gets to the point where he wants people to come show him up. Like, go, you think you could do better? Do it. Show me how to do it. And I, you know, and hopefully he just gets so cocky that he hopes they're going to fail and they don't. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's realistically where I we're just at. think that, you know, Vince, Vince is a, a, a very uniquely creative person. And I think sometimes we forget that. When, when you're creative on just a, a very different level, I, I think he's just, He's just different. And it's just like an artist, you know, like a Picasso when it's like when you look at a Picasso painting, it just looks like, okay, this just looks like a bunch of gibberish. It doesn't make sense. But to Picasso, there, there's something ticking and clicking there. And, you know, and it just takes a while to get people hooked. Um, I don't, I don't want to say that Vince is truly out of touch with today. I, I, I find that so hard to believe. And the reason why I say that is because this whole network thing, he thought about over 25 years ago. This was just something that was in his head. And, and it, you know, granted, he, he didn't see it exactly the way it looks today, but he saw something. You know, so um, in terms of the yes... No, and he, he, there's there's moments there's moments where stuff you know is there, and you can see moments of brilliance. And I mean, even this Kofi Kingston run and how they let that story play out, we got as everyone said at WrestleMania, we got Becky Lynch, Kofi Kingston, and Seth Rollins all winning. So it was like there's there's moments there. It's I think realistically the biggest downfall of the past five years has been just this Roman Reigns experiment and how we're stuck in this Roman Reigns rut whether we like it or not. And I think that's really the, been the biggest hurdle that no one's figured but, out how to get over. But here's the other problem, and I've, we've said this in previous episodes. The other issue I got is the fans today. Fans go into watching a wrestling show wanting to look for the negative first, not mm-hmm. wanting to seek out the positive or the good. When we were watching wrestling, Chris, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I'm sure both of you would probably agree with me on some level. When I'm watching wrestling, I'm anticipating the good. I'm I'm looking for the good. I'm wanting that. I I was not thinking about, oh, man, I wonder if he's going to screw up tonight or if he's going to botch that move. No, we didn't think that stuff. That's because kayfabe was still alive to a point you know i mean they were killing it slowly and we were getting more now we got the network where we're watching all this behind the scenes and like i said now now everyone's in this whole thing where the business is more fascinating than the product yeah and that's why we're even here doing this podcast trying to trying to bring some love we're 
We're, I think it's out there. We're finding it. We're trying to find it desperately, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the, the funny thing is, is that it's not that WWE. It's, look at that talent, that roster. There is no way that anybody, I don't care if you're an AEW mark or not, you cannot deny the fact that there is a ton of talent in WWE that are that are good, that have good quality characters, good promo skills, good wrestling skills. It just comes down to how do we clean up the storytelling process. Yep, you got it. And that's really, I think, what John Moxley was saying, too. You know, the talent's there. Best talent, best roster you probably have ever seen. I was talking to one. Well, that's what's... Go ahead. What's crazy is what it comes down to, too, and if you really think about it, when was the last time you saw a bad pay-per-view? Right. I can't. I can't remember. The pay-per-views are all awesome. Every WWE pay-per-view on paper, on paper, and how I mean, outside of maybe I think Backlash last year, Backlash 2018 was probably the last. I, that's the first one I can go back to, which was over a year ago, where it was just like eh, outside of the Miz and Seth Rollins and their opening IC title match, which I still remember because it was awesome. But outside of that, it's like their pay-per-views are awesome, but they're not telling stories at the pay-per-views, you know. So it's like you just get the matches, you get the events, you get the blow-offs, and how the feud's going to go. But you're not worrying about this Raw and SmackDown like build-up anymore. And they put together awesome video packages. So I mean, it's just it's how do you clean up the storytelling because obviously they got the talent and the wrestling part because pay-per-views i enjoy every time i sit down i was sat down to watch money in the bank and i'm just sitting there just thinking but, man i love but the other the other part of the storytelling is the fans have to be willing to want to be patient enough to see it out oh yeah it's like I, a perfect example is the the first time they did this bray wyatt thing the the mr rogers approach there was people dumping on that and it's like, well, there's, but but that's because, yeah, that's no, but you know what the point is though. <laughs> you have to allow storytelling, Chris. When we were all watching wrestling, you know, in the Monday Night War era, and and really, it, it didn't matter if it was Monday Night War era or not. It's just we allowed them to tell the story, and we just took it in like reading a book. Not let's read this page. Oh God, this this stuff sucks on this page. Why did they even put this in here? No, tell let them tell the story. So if they're going to clean up the stories, fans have to change the way that they're taking in the product. Then I I can absolutely agree with that one because yeah, everyone looks for the negatives. So let's find some love, and if anyone can find us love. I believe as we move on, every week we have the sits and fits with Mr. Fitness, and I believe wholeheartedly that he could find some love. Oh my goodness, Jim Rats. What are we, 45, 48? I mean, what is this, a marathon episode? Jesus, I'm usually done by this time. Hello, wannabe Jim Rats is Mr. Fitness here for the weekly sits and fits. Finally. Chris and all those moody Morlocks can finally shut their mouths as the t-shirt company known as AEW finally had their first pay-per-view. The first shots are fired and the new wrestling war has begun. So, how does the wrestling genius known as Vince McMahon respond to the shots fired? A Brock party? Really? A Brock party? Cody Rhodes destroys Triple H's throne, and you have Brock dancing 
with a boombox. Dean Ambrose debuts in AEW, and WWE's response is Sami Zayn in an electric chair. Kenny Omega has another classic match with Chris Jericho, and WWE's response is Shane versus Roman's cousin, a jobber. AEW has Bret Hart debuting the AEW Championship belt. WWE has R-Truth running around with the clock title. Quite honestly, the only thing that WWE did well this week was Ricochet and Cesaro, along with Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. I mean, Jesus, those four guys practically saved the week. Sadly, storyline-wise, those guys are practically going nowhere. Vince... You need to wake up. I believe in you. After all, you defeated WCW. Don't let this, as Triple H calls it, a pissant company take over. Either step up or step out. Here, I got an idea for you. Get rid of all these idiotic writers. After all, they're called professional wrestlers. Don't you think they should be able to cut a promo by the time they get to your company? Somebody please do a vote and vote Vince out. Let Triple H in. Everyone knows that the product sucks. I mean, after all, have you seen Twitter? Sorry, guys. I got no love this week for WWE, so I might as well just quit. I'm just packing my bags and going to AEW again. That's Mr. Fitness's weekly sits and fits, reminding you, don't sit, just stay fit. So he's playing the wild card again, Chris. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. I, I, was that love? Um, I think there was some love. Was some love for a, some love. Yeah. You know what? He, he, he said a good line about Vince that I just want to echo. Wake up, man. You defeated WCW. You made the biggest wrestling company in the world. Get your head out of your own ass, and let's start making some professional wrestling that we can all be happy with again on a national level. But I love but it. But here's I the love thing. That message. I'm, I'm going to say some love here because you know what? By God, Vince. It, okay, Cody is poking the the bear. He's poking that lion, and guess what? Eventually, that lion's going to get up. And he's going to attack. And that's what Vince is going to do. And he's going to do it better than any company in this on this planet. Because simply... I hope so. That, that's just what's going to happen. Cody just so. better be ready to put together a weekly show. Because Vince right now, I guarantee you, that, bur- that, that it, it's, it's spinning, his head's spinning. And I'm telling you, he's going to put together gold. Dust. Ooh. <laughs> send it to the stars. The uh, so the in NXT in the developmental the performance center they take promo classes. Yes, yes they, they do. do. I think. Sh- yeah. And don't they make them stand up and ad lib promos to the class yeah. and talk about this? Then how come they don't get to do that when they make it? to What's the point of all that if they're going to hand them a script when they hit the main roster? 
and they you don't let them talk for themselves. I think the pro- because NXT in Performance Center is Triple H's world. That's my opinion on that question. Uh, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to even go one step further. S- s- you know, this is NXT. It's on the network. Sponsors don't don't have to care dwell and all that stuff. And then second, you know, when you're on you when you're on WWE's shows, you know, uh, live shows, you got you. I agree that you have to put restrictions. You have to, you can't just let them go out there and then you have no clue what's going to come out of, out of their mouth because then you could be in for a public relations nightmare if they say something that is just taboo or gets a, a sponsor upset. I mean, even Dean Ambrose referenced uh, something that he refused to say that Vince was asking him to do the whole Roman Reigns referencing his leukemia, you know, and he referenced how Susan G. Coleman, that, that they might, they would probably... Uh, break ways, you know, break ties. Well, yeah, but even even in the Attitude Era, I mean, you give them, I mean, they were still telling a story. They were still told what story. You know, The Rock and Stone Cold didn't come up with their story. They were just told, hey, this is where you guys are headed. How do you guys want to get there? And they worked with the talent, and you figure out what worked, and you listen to the talent when the talent brought you something, and you listen to them, and you, you kind of moved on with it. And you know it's just kind of it's just kind of funny and i'm curious i'm very excited to but, see i do feel like we're at a transitional and and period. actually and, and chris um and ed you can actually probably comment on this i mean we go back to our uh backyard wrestling days i mean we didn't write out you know the the promos i i, I remember many times that we would just you know okay you know this we'd kind of just chat and through the chat, you know, we kind of just organically, you know, we had bullet points, I, could, I guess you could say. I knew what things you wanted to hit. I knew what things I was going to hit. And we made sure that there was some kind of, it was going to blend. So, and that's how, you know, mm-hmm. and like I said, it, I mean, even though we did backyard wrestling, um, it worked, you know, and we were able to tell our stories effectively. Ed, I'm sure you got something similar as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is like, you know, my we never got into like filming it or anything like that. Um, like, you know, that's pretty cool that you guys did. But I will say that one time I jumped off my swing set and onto the trampoline onto my my friend and I did the five star frog splash and he got out of the way. And the sheer force of me hitting <laughs> the trampoline without a body under me bounced me 10 to 15 feet up in the air <laughs> off the trampoline and I landed on my back. And that was unpredictable. That was not scripted. And that's why you need to not have a script in wrestling. <laughs> you gotta, you got to get those moments. Oh, that is such that's a funny. funny visual. Oh, oh wow. that was great. Wow. Not for me, but yeah, I know. I'm sure it was, if someone were to be recording that, it would definitely be like a, a very awesome fail meme type thing. So, Oh, dude. Dude, <laughs> if we were recording, I would have got a great angle on that. We were always good at decent yeah. angles. It would have been. It would have been good. So yeah, we got we got uh, the beast box at the Brock party. God, I hope they saw it. Okay, so I I can't bash that. I know Mr. Fitness is, is that, no. That was awesome. That, that was awesome. That was more hilarious. Character in Brock than at any point in his career. So you know what? I'm cool with this yep. because it's something different out of him. How does he not? How does yep. he not leave Raw a baby face? I don't. I don't see him as a heel anymore. I felt like that was hilarious. Every segment he was in, it was different. He was having fun. He was laughing. He was slapping mm-hmm. Paul Heyman with paper and saying, I've got a year? No. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, the fact that this dude great. he had no idea great. that he had a year to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase that was the hilarious. only reason why he didn't turn. F- I'm not cashing. No, in No, the only reason why he didn't turn face there is because the, the 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 silly fans are just wanting the dump on it because it's it's the double or nothing effect, as I want to call it. Yeah, and like by the way, I, I'm you know I hope none of our listeners were the people uh, that were in the crowd uh, just you know purposefully like just waiting for that opportunity to chant AEW at a WWE show. Real cool, guys. Real cool. But you know, it's just like, come on, I get it. You know, you you don't like the chains talking. You know, you're saying this is boring, all that. But you know, like you you just paid money to go to a WWE show. Try to enjoy it. That's, Please, that's the, just try yes, to enjoy That's it. the point. They come to these shows, and that's like they just want to hijack it. They want to wear an AEW shirt to, just because they want to get some kind of attention. And they want to, you know, and then they want to have these signs like, you know, save us Triple H and blah, blah. Dude, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I didn't see that one. <sighs> I, did, I, did I just I let them tell their story. I mean, it's like, I, just, I know I'm repeating myself and trying not to, but... Yeah, I was really bothered by the crowd. It, it's not that the show was, you know, it, it wasn't like like phenomenal or anything. There were certain aspects of the show that I really liked. I loved Ricochet and um, Cesaro. Holy Lord, oh, man. If yeah. they don't just, come on, get them in the main event picture. Because those guys are legit. I... You need to get them so they don't cut them out of Hulu because I haven't seen either Are one you of those. Dude, that's that's didn't. a shame. Yeah, no, they dude, cut that's both a shame. Of them. I'm only aware that they happen, you know, when I'm looking at follow-ups to see so I can put together the show so I know what I missed. But yeah, they they've cut both of those. I haven't seen any. They, I seen you never see tag teams. They always cut tag team stuff out of Raw, and then usually they cut what they cut whatever the big match is like whatever whatever one wrestling match that they actually have every week. They cut um, that. You know, and I week. guarantee you that is done. Like the Hulu cut is what they want you as a casual fan to pay attention to, and that's very that's the yeah. depressing that they would cut that out of that's there. That's what I find it. I find it interesting that I watch it because that is, like I said, this is what they want people to see. So it's it's kind of crazy to see what they care about. I like to look at it as this way of this is the things that they think I should care about. Yeah, no, definitely go find it on YouTube or something. It's definitely worth a watch. It was awesome. Um, yep. But uh, I believe it. Hopefully they can. Hopefully they can hit a pay per view. Um, we're we're not counting the. Uh, Wild card rule anymore. No, I can't keep up. It hurts. I can't keep up, and they keep breaking it. So it's it's just a thing. Like like, and as Ed said forever ago, these shows feel the same. It's going back to before the superstar, before the brand split. Like the brand split is dead because now we're just back to where SmackDown is a rehash of Raw. Yeah. Because I didn't need two shows highlighting Shane McMahon. But here's here's what I think is going on, and I think this is behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Bottom line is is that both USA Network and uh, Fox, even though they're not on Fox yet, they want the same guys. That's what they're fighting for. So this will just have to mesh it, and it'll just have to be, you know, both shows have the same set of wrestlers, I don't know what that's going to do to the roster because it's like the roster's so big, you can't fit everybody on the show. And you know what? What they might as well do is have a minor league because they've got too much damn talent. Like if you got to have all these stars on both of your A and B shows, then just have a damn minor league because 
like that's that's where we're at. Your Corey's right. They're gonna want to have every single main attraction on both shows, and yeah, the brand split doesn't exist in my eyes at this point. It do, it doesn't. Well, that's and we knew it was gonna come to an end as we got closer to this Fox deal. The problem is is do what they did. They used to be able to do this, and they did it when SmackDown first became a thing. They would end Raw, making you feel like you had to watch SmackDown. And they're not doing that. So it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna have the same people on there, then you need to end Raw, making me feel like I need to watch SmackDown because I'm gonna see something different. But to see the exact same segments, the exact same conversations, the exact same just rehashing what you did on Raw, just doing it again, and maybe making somebody different win because they won on Raw, you're gonna make them win on SmackDown or make them lose. That's not how you do a compelling show, and that's not what Fox is going to want. Okay, well, I do want to bring some love on one thing. I'm actually very, I'm very love okay it, with Baron Corbin winning that uh, that four way match. Sure, uh, oh, I was yeah. fine with that. I just don't like that he pinned the Miz. Yeah, again, the Miz got pinned again. Yeah, I just don't like that the Miz can't pin anybody, and it, I just think that's weird. And then, yeah, I was a hundred percent fine with Baron Corbin winning that. I'm excited. So, I'm excited so, for Baron and, Corbin. And I, I got. I'm probably going to be in the minority on this, but and I know it's probably not going to happen. But I actually want Baron Corbin to win the title. I, I legitimately do. I, do I actually want him to do it at the this super show because I I need these super shows to be a continuation of the story. Like it's it's got there's got to be big things that happen that can carry back over to Raw, SmackDown, and future pay per views. You got to have title changes. You got to have something big occur, not just these one off matches. Well, and so then, do you think Brock cashes in and does what Rollins did to him at WrestleMania 31 and cash in? You know what? The main event? I also wouldn't have an issue with that either because does he even have a match right now? He does not have a match, but he is scheduled. He's supposedly was scheduled to appear. So Brock Lesnar's going to be there. He's not no, going to miss that, that payday. He's going to be there. So it's, what do you do with him? If they're not going to put him in a match, then that means he's showing up as part of that main event. So does he cash in and steal that belt from Rollins? Does We've had Lesnar. Now, is this a different Lesnar who's decided, I don't want to do UFC, so I'll show up for Raw? Because, I mean, he showed up two weeks in a row. When was the last time we've even seen him show up two weeks in a row? And then if we see him again next week at Super Showdown, I mean that's you know you know what I wonder you weeks, know what I wonder crazy. will happen. He'll come down, uh, tease the idea, and I don't know how I can get this to work in my brain. But I wonder if he just comes down, gives the impression like he's going to, beats up Seth Rollins, but then just walks out and leaves, and then Baron Corbin just pins. Dude, he's doing exactly what I wanted him to do. I think he's going to troll the audience for at least a year. I think that he's not cashing this in for a long time, and I think it's just going to be awesome. I think he's just going to play with people. Can he, can he I, actually cash I, I, it I, at next year's Money in the Bank? Is that the date? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they said May 20th is what Paul yes. Heyman said, or May, yeah. So he's has he doesn't have, it doesn't have to just go to WrestleMania. It's Money in the Bank pay per view. So he has it till next May. Chances are I could see him doing it at like the Rumble or yeah. leading into Mania. But it just I don't because I don't see them giving him another long run with the belt. I think it would be a quick thing. But I can see him coming out and beating up Rollins and making him lose that belt 
I can see him doing that. I can see a lot of things. I'm curious to see what they mm-hmm. do with it. You know, make it. You know, I make it worth it. Him playing that thing as turning the Money in the Bank briefcase into a boombox has already paid for him winning. Like I'm already happy yeah. he won this thing because I love him. I've never thought I'd see Brock Lesnar dance in the ring, but him doing break dancing <laughs> and jumping yeah. around, and then like when he played Kofi's music and started headbanging to it, and then he started playing yeah. Seth Rollins' music and started headbanging to yeah. it. That was hilarious. It really was. I was. I was in. I don't know who whose idea it was. I hope it was his, but it's great. Yeah. Um. And in honestly, we have to think that maybe he does show up more because with him saying I'm done with the UFC, his kind of trump card is off the table. So I'm sure WWE is able to say, well, if you're not going back to UFC, then we need to get you on TV more. Right. Right. And you know, renegotiate yeah. this deal. And I hope they did. I hope they did, too, because if you see him more... Now, one of the things is I'd really like to see him in a feud that doesn't involve the Universal title. Like, I, you know, I mean, give us... Why aren't you giving us Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley? Right. Why aren't you... Throw him in the yeah. ring with Cesaro. Throw him in the ring with Ricochet. Throw him in the ring with anybody. Just, like, why? Because, you know, I mean, in the past, if you really look back at his feuds, his past few years, he's just been feuding with the Shield. It's just been Roman and Rollins, Roman and Rollins, and it's just like... Come on, man. Do somebody, even if he was going to go after Kofi and cash in on the WWE title and go to SmackDown, which I can see him doing with Fox wanting Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. So, I mean, there's a lot of question in there. Um, what would you guys think of uh, week two of the 24-7 clock title? Yeah, I, I'm I, counting down the date that it evaporates. I just... I, I, I still can't get over the fact that we, we couldn't just, you know, bring back the hardcore title. I, I, I just can't look past that. Um, the title, the fact that it looks like a clock, I can't get past that. Um, and then the other thing that bothers me is that every single guy that's chasing it is a guy that's just not being utilized. So it's a bunch of glorified jobbers. How about the fact that you actually have wrestlers openly laughing at it? So, for example, Elias won the title, and Drew McIntyre is literally just standing there laughing about, oh, that's cool, he won that stupid green belt. And then late, he gave yeah. him the opportunity. And then later to, on in the night, he didn't care. Roman Reigns spears um, Elias and lets our truth win. Roman, you don't want to win a belt? Like, I hate that fifty-fifty booking. Like. So you're basically saying that this belt is only for the people that don't matter. Because yeah. two top guys who, you know, if, if Drew McIntyre's Drew McIntyre suddenly kicked Elias in the head and pinned him, oh, man, okay, they want this belt. What if Roman would have pinned him and took the title? Okay, but no. When I thought, I thought for a second they were going to yeah. do that. Like, I thought, I was like, oh, my God, Drew McIntyre's about to win this belt. And I was like, that's awesome. And then Elias did, and I was like, okay, I guess that's better but elias still doesn't fall into the category where i'm thinking it's you know that it matters and then when they hit the end which i was confused about because i didn't i saw roman reigns pin elias and i'm like why would you have roman pin elias now isn't roman the 24 (laughs) 7 title but then they made that stipulation that said well now that elias isn't in a match his belt's up for grabs so i'm like so it's not really 20 it's 24 7 except for if you're in a match i'm like that doesn't make any sense (laughs) And then, yeah, then Roman did his thing, and I said, oh, shit, Roman's going to take this belt. That's awesome. That's hilarious. And then, nope. And then I realized really quick, I said, no, he's going to let truth do it. And, yeah, you just kind of lose 
any interest in it when you don't have your top when you have people not caring right. about bottom it. line is this belt chris was meant for us with our one two three <laughs> yes that, that's that, that's the only and, and in fact i think we'd make it more entertaining so mm-hmm. by the way it's available on wb shop just saying just saying oh yeah is it really oh yeah they put that bad boy on quick because <laughs> that's oh, what they do they yeah, gotta sell that's that's rough the clock so do you think we see a, another electric chair God, I that that was stupid. I'm just gonna say it. That was stupid. I honest thunder. I honest to God, I watch. I'm like, what is this? And then I'm like, oh, they're gonna hook Sami Zayn up to an electric chair. Nope, he just sat in it. I was like, oh, you're not gonna plug him in. I thought it was gonna be like a truth, like a lie detector test. So they were gonna put up the thing on the screen that was gonna be like lie or true, and they were gonna like read Twitter questions or something. Then when they asked the first question where the guy said, hey, what's your retirement date? I was like, I'm not watching this. And I fast forwarded through it. Um, I was like, I'm not watching this segment. If, if they're going to put plant people in the audience to ask Sami Zayn when's his retirement date, nope. And if those are if those are real people with real questions, that's yeah. even worse. Like that's what you wanted to ask somebody. I was, I was like, I'm not watching this. And then, I, of course, I hear that Sami Zayn drops the uh, AEW, the dreaded AEW, during the live broadcast <laughs> when he said, you're asking me these questions? You could have asked me about AEW, which then has led to the debate. Was it was it scripted? Oh, I, I, I think that's scripted big time. It has to big be. There, like, you know, the, the rumor is that Vince blew a gasket, but then that really doesn't fit the narrative, right? The narrative is that Vince really isn't fed this kind of information. So I don't really – I think that this was completely scripted. Yeah, especially if you see Sami Zayn back on TV next week, with I'm sure he will be. Yeah, this was scripted. And if you if you really looked at the Morlocks that they picked to ask questions uh, from the crowd, I mean, there's no way they, they this was random. They were scrubbed, and you know it wasn't like someone was going to stand up and you know ask Generico because that's what I would have said. But like, hey, Generico, when you're going to put your mask back on, they would have never let some smart like me ever say things like that. So the questions were yeah. terrible. They were awful, and the people that you know were asking them looked like they were not even like on this planet. They were like in a different world. So, I mean, it, it's completely scripted, and it was meant to just be completely a way to hype up, you know, that WWE is aware of this little show called AEW. We know but it exists, guys. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> have a problem with it. It's because, like I said, I get what no. this character is. This is Vince. Vince ha- is is basically living vicariously through Sami Zayn, and everything he thinks and, and feels, he's letting Sami deliver in promo. So, for him to just call now, it's very uncharacteristic because Vince has historically been a guy that his philosophy is you never acknowledge competition. So, um, but I definitely still, even though I'm saying that, I definitely think it was scripted because Vince is trying to create a. Uh, a very unpredictable, pushing the boundaries type character with Sami Zayn, and it, it's getting the audience buzzing about it, so it's working. Yeah, and yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say that it's not scripted when, especially after you got done listening to the John Moxley thing talking about how scripted WWE is. You know, so it's like no one's going to go out there and go into business for themselves unless Sami Zayn's trying to get fired. That's the only explanation. Yeah. So. And they won't fire. No, them. it's not going to no, work. They de- not at this point. 
absolutely not. Like I said, the only issue I had was just the the electric chair. I I just it, it's not needed. Yeah, it, it was definitely not needed. Um, any more love this week? Raw SmackDown. They were like I said for the most part a yeah, little bland. But, I mean, good lord, man! I think we're hitting a record on our the length of this episode. So I guess it was enough to talk about. To carry I'm this done. Time. I'm done talking. I'm it's, done talking about AEW. The, the news was AEW this weekend. Here's your love this weekend. Takeover 25, yes. Saturday night. Um, I'm ex- super pumped for that. Ready to watch some uh, some wrestling here this weekend. And then we roll into Super Showdown next week, which for some reason I'm getting excited about. Um, I'm nervous about it being long, but I'm excited about yeah. Just some of the train wrecks slash some of the suspense slash some of the what is they going to do when Bray Wyatt shows up with the Firefly Funhouse at yeah. <laughs> Super Showdown. That's oh, totally, totally when he's making his debut. It's yeah. he's going to show up at that at that in part of that fifty Royal Rumble. He'll get thrown over the ring in like two seconds, and everyone will freak out. Oh, let's hope not. But yeah, I think that's we're gonna. Bring it on home this week. So next week we'll be back. We'll talk about NXT 25, Raw, SmackDown. See if AEW, any more shots are fired in this uh, war that is or isn't happening. And we'll recap and do our predictions for Super Showdown uh, next week on the only episode 32 of 123Yes Wrestling there will ever be. So thank you. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you guys for coming on out and talking with me and us. And if you want to join the conversation, shoot us an email at 123yeswrestling at gmail.com. Have a great night, everyone. Yes, if you've stuck with us this long, have a pleasant evening or morning. <laughs>